Blog Talk Radio. Shemalek <laughs> Mahilama Shemahezahilma Sona Shenevoratfet Frank Carroll, 
who played the Irish music there. He's all ready to go with a dedication. Frank? Yes, uh, thank you, Don. Uh, we played the Gaelic uh, Shayla Maga uh, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We wanted to wish on behalf of the station, the management, and all the guys out here, and we wanted to wish everybody listening a very happy St. Patrick's Day. Please, I'm going to beg you one time and only one time, please don't drink and drive. If you're going to go right. out and have a great time, please do that. But there's always Uber and also the uh, um, cabs to take. So please, please, please do not uh, drink and drive. Drink, don't drive. Drive, don't drink. Simple as that. Right, right. Right. Roy Cummings is right there. Roy, in tape, a lot of things going on right now, and I, I don't normally start with football after the football season is over, but so many things have happened on the free agent market. The Bears have just gone crazy. Uh, Tampa Bay has gotten under the under the limits, signed a couple of players. Uh, a couple of your observations, first of all, about the local team, because you cover Tampa every single day. Uh, give us an idea of what you think uh, they they try to get in and out of the, the salary cap. They try to cut players and at the same time put together some kind of an orchestrative team. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that or not. Roy? Well, they're off to a pretty good start, actually. Um, you know, they've uh, they've obviously lost some players having to get under the cap. But uh, one thing about the Bucks right now is they, they seem to find a way to get to the forefront of the news cycle. Uh, that's for sure. And I think they did it again today. Um, probably the, the biggest uh, – uh, signing so far for them uh, is Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's the one that's going to grab the most attention uh, that they pick up Baker Mayfield, give him another shot. Uh, it would be, what, in his fourth or fifth team that he's been with. But um, Boy, let me interrupt for a second. Where do they get the money? Because we've talked about and talked about and talked about it. They have made a number of cuts. But the last number I saw, they were just at the limit. Where, where are they getting the money for this? Well, they've restructured several uh, contracts, uh, number one. Uh, number two, uh, you're right. They are just at the limit. Um, but you know, they've got some pretty, some, some pretty savvy people in terms of how they, uh, they put the deals together. It's only a one year contract for Baker Mayfield. Um, that helps. Uh, but you know, you're right. They don't have a whole lot of room. Um, but there are ways to manipulate that, uh, with certain guys. They traded Shaq Mason, which basically that once they traded Shaq Mason, uh, that alleviates about seven, eight million dollars right there, which pays for uh, Baker Mayfield. So, if you eliminate that player and that contract in a trade, which they did, um, that opens up the, uh, the the cap room to bring in the quarterback. So that's how that happened. Um, now they they also re-signed some of their own players. They re-signed Levante David, which a lot of people didn't think could happen because uh, Levante they also David took a uh, lot of they took a lot of money back. The players that stayed. Yes, right. Yeah, they restructured a lot of contracts. Um, and I think, you know, a, a lot of players are willing to, you know, they're buying into the, to the system and saying, look, uh, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they did, what, did that with Jamel Dean as well, um, another player who uh, I, think the, I think the safeties are realizing that maybe the market isn't quite as strong uh, for them this year as uh, they'd hoped it would be. So you're seeing a lot of safeties basically kind of just stick around with their own teams. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're signing to a guy to a contract similar to what he had a year ago um, without a whole lot of uh, – without a big raise on it in terms of uh, his salary number, uh, you can spread the, cat, the, uh, the signing bonus out over three, four years. 
that's what that's what's going to allow you to bring uh, bring back those players. So again, there's plenty of ways to manipulate the cap, uh, and they've figured out a couple and uh, been able to bring back some of their own guys. So you know, a good day for the Buccaneers today. As good a day I think as anyone in the league has had, uh, because you know there weren't a lot of signings. The Eagles are a team that obviously lost a couple of players. Uh, didn't feel like they could uh, reach the number that uh, certain guys wanted, Darius Slay in particular. Um, you know, they bring back Boston Scott, which is good. But at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, I think as good a day for the Buccaneers as any team in the league, really. And, Roger, as we uh, looked ahead at the Bears, they had a lot of room. They spent $120.5 billion, and uh, they just almost signed the board. Well, yeah, they did, Don. And uh, but I think you know it was out of necessity. And uh, I think with, with the uh, the trade they made uh, to go down in the draft, uh, you know, in the uh, draft list, uh, getting rid of that number one, I think that was really a good move because they needed to get uh, draft in- inventory, and uh, they th- they've done that. Um, plus, they had, a, plus well, they had a very, very adequate quarterback that they, could, they didn't have to worry about that position. Well, that's exactly right. They they were uh, putting their uh, eggs uh, in the uh, basket with him, and they uh, felt confident with him, and they feel now they can build around him and be successful. Um, one of the things that uh, – or one of the points about Roy – what you were alluding to uh, with the Eagles, they did sign uh, Jason Kelsey for another year, Brandon uh, 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 Brooks for uh, another year. uh, And uh, they also, um, James Bradbury, and then what they did was they signed Boston Scott to a one-year deal as they did with Rashad Penny uh, for the backfield. So uh, I think they made some very good moves. And, of course, they've got two first-round uh, picks. So uh, and, and there's a lot more to come. One of the things that I wanted to bring up for the four of us, and that's uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, saga, uh, which continues. Now, he's planning on being with the Jets. But what I heard this afternoon is that deal will not be made until after June uh, first, because of the cap hit that would be uh, taken by no, no matter what, which whether they release them or if they trade them by the Packers. And one of the points that uh, Chris Russo made it made today on his afternoon show, which I think you got to consider because the Packers are asking for a lot. And uh, he feels that the NFL may do some pressuring to the Packers to make this deal uh, because of, of the it, – it's a fair deal that they've been offered. He wants out. They want him out. And the other thing is now you would have – if you look at what the schedule is that the Jets have, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a TV schedule if you have Aaron Rodgers in it. I mean, it really is made for TV. I'll let you counter on that one, Roy. I, I, I sort of agree. I think is I, I only one I would question is how long can they wait? I mean, all the papers are saying, you know, it's got to happen. It's got to happen, Roy. Yeah, it's, it's got to happen, but it doesn't have to happen on um, the Jets' terms. It, it has to happen on the on the Packers' terms, and the Packers are not going to be in any hurry to get this done. Um, they're going to obviously they're going to wait till June to to accept you know a lesser cap hit. 
that's going to be part of it. Um, I would see something happening in June, but even if it happens in June, it's kind of late because, you know, what do you got left? You might have uh, one mini camp left, and I don't know if that's much uh, that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers can get much out of that. So uh, the thing is, uh, you know, the Packers are in no hurry to get this thing done. Um, They're not going to benefit from it immediately. It will be next year at least before they benefit from it. I seriously doubt that players are coming back. It's probably going to be draft picks. Um, may not even be high draft picks. Um, but uh, the Packers have their quarterback. Jordan Love is the guy. They're going forward with him. They're going to continue to build their team without Aaron Rodgers and uh, start preparing for life without Aaron Rodgers. And at the end of the day, um, they're going to let Aaron Rodgers hang out there on a on a string for a while. And uh, and if this is how you want it, to be, want it to be, Aaron, well, fine. Okay, we're going to part ways. We're going to part ways on our terms. And the Jets, um, I don't know, eventually it'll work out for the Jets, but it may not work out uh, in, the, in the near term for them. Well, we talked a minute ago about the salary cap and where it stands for cheap people out there signing. And yet, uh, <clears throat> at the same time, the Bucks spent $52 million, you know, to bring, a, to bring in a player when it, supposedly it were right on the borderline of the top of the line. And yet uh, they went out and got themselves a player uh, cornerback and, and uh, gave a pretty good contract for $52 million. You're talking about Jamel Dean, the Buccaneers? Yeah. Yeah. You're, no, you're right. I mean, and, but you know what? Look, this is uh, – this is Jason Light really does want to operate, um, you know, where you develop players and then re-sign them. You know, when it's time to pay them off, you pay them off. Um, you know, you, 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 you develop players, you develop good players, and if they earn a second contract, you pay, you pay them the second contract. If they earn a better third contract, well, even better for you. Um, you know, that's, that's really how you want to build your football team. You don't want to build it through free agency. And, uh, you know, I think the Bucks are slowly getting back to that. Even the Baker Mayfield deal is a one-year contract. It's, um, you know, it's not anything that's going to break the bank. It's going to give them a quarterback that allows them to be competitive this year but it pretty much ends there. So, and I don't really see them doing much more. They, they might pick up a guard here and there, a couple of linemen, just because they need them. But, you know, they're, at the end of the day, they're probably going to lose more players than they, than they retain or gain. Um, but if they, uh, if they retain the, the right ones, and so far they are, Jamel Dean, uh, Levante David, uh, they'll be okay. They've got to pick up, they've got to find a tackle. But you know what? The draft is out there too. So, um, and, and the Bucks are always moving on draft day, especially uh, in the first round. Uh, won't be surprised at all if they move up somehow, some way, uh, and, and find themselves a, a starting caliber player that they can plug in right away. And it may be at the offensive line position, might be left tackle, but um, that's what they got to do. Well, Roger, uh, the Bucks got away last year, winning it by a, a single game at the end of the year to get into the playoffs. How about Atlanta? How, what, you know, they had some, some strange ideas last year that didn't come uh, to fulfillment. What about now? What are they doing? The, one of the moves that they made is uh, they made a deal uh, for uh, uh, John o. Uh, Smith uh, with the uh, Patriots, a tight end. What The deal, the situation I don't understand is uh, that they've got Kyle Pitts, who was supposed to be the uh, the the perfect modern day uh, tight end, uh, big and strong, a lot like Tony Gonzalez, a lot like uh, Rob Gronkowski, 
And uh, I, I don't get it. Uh, and we'll find out when we talk to uh, Daryl Ledbetter later. But I, I don't understand why you'd go for a tight end when you've got this uh, special uh, physical specimen uh, in Kyle Pitts. Uh, and they have um, made some other deals, uh, too, which, you know, we get into uh, with uh, with Daryl. So uh, we'll find out more. Roy, before we switch over to hockey and baseball, uh, any uh, any particular moves so far in the free agent signing that have surprised you or the fact that the number of players have signed for the amount of money they've signed for, has that surprised you? Um. A little bit, the latter, yeah. No, but nobody really signed today that I was surprised with. I think we saw the Baker Mayfield uh, signing coming. Um, you know, Mike White going to the Dolphins was a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, uh, accepting a backup position when I thought for sure that he would have, you know, warranted at least a, an opportunity to, to, you know, play for a starting position. But, yeah, some of the money is a bit surprising. I, and, and, again, you know, I said it before. I hinted at it that uh, the, the safety market is not quite – um, coming to fruition the way a lot of the safeties thought or hoped it would. And we know for a fact that um, the quarterback market is not what it, what we thought it was. I Guys, I think the NFL has decided that the salaries are getting a little bit, um, a little bit out of hand in certain places, and they've got to kind of tr- try to correct the, uh, the salary scale a little bit. Now, granted, the, you know, the, the cap continues to go up, and uh, you've got to pay to a certain number in the cap, but I think they're maybe trying to just show a little bit more equity here, and, and instead of paying, you know, forty-two, forty-five million dollars to your quarterback, and a hundred and you know fifty million dollars to everybody else, um, I think they're trying to spread it out, spread the wealth a little bit more. I, I think that's a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think they, I think they're finding out that some positions are being a little bit overpaid right now, and I think they're trying to correct it. Well, we talked about Roger uh, last week, and you uh, talked extensively about it—the fact that. They're giving the quarterbacks, even Jackson, they're giving themselves room to make a move out. Now, you've got to give up two draft choices. A couple of teams may be willing to do that. Uh, none of us know at this particular moment, but all the teams signing the quarterbacks are sort of leaving themselves a little bit of uh, operating room as far as getting draft choices back if they, can't, uh, if they can't get the contract signed the way they want it. Well, exactly, and, and it, it all goes back to the Deshaun Watson-Cleveland uh, deal. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's an albatross uh, for the rest of the league. And uh, nobody seems, and I, I don't blame them, is going to give a totally guaranteed contract uh, like Jackson wants, uh, you know, with Baltimore. I mean, the guy hasn't played some games. He's been injured a number of times. Uh, he's what I think won what one out of four uh, playoff games. I mean, you know, you've got to have some financial uh, wherewithal and control. And I think Roy's a hundred percent right. I think that's what's uh, come uh, to uh, the surface in the NFL. Roy, you said last week, and I had to agree with you that uh, you know the Bucks weren't going to be satisfied uh, just taking a chance on the young quarterback that they kept talking about uh, with grave reviews before they made this sign for Wayf- well, Mayfield. But uh, uh, I think you were exactly right there. They weren't, weren't going to put all the rags in one basket with a quarterback that was unproven. No, not a chance at all. And, and I won't be surprised at all if they bring in another quarterback. Might even draft another quarterback. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Again, it's a one-year deal for Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, Jason Life says it's a wide-open competition. We'll see. Um, I have a hard time believing that Baker Mayfield's not going to be the starter here. Uh, Kyle Trask is going to have to do something absolutely incredible to push Baker Mayfield out of the starting spot. Um, not that Baker, Baker Mayfield's done anything special. He hasn't. But um, at the end of the day, he's got, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a resume and he's played the game and he's, he's had some success, uh, whereas Kyle Trask is, uh, you know, still trying to figure out, you know, what, uh, what certain defenses look like. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, um, yeah, no surprise at all that the Bucks have handled this quarterback position the way they have. It was really just a matter of who they were going to be able to bring in. And to be honest, I, I, I think they hit a home run here. Um, look, I like Baker Mayfield a lot. I think he got, you know, passed over a little bit, given up on it a little bit too quickly in a couple of places. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to benefit from this uh, from this move. And uh, look, Baker Mayfield's got a, a one-year contract. He's got to go out there and prove it. It's a, as they call it in the league now, it's a prove-it deal. Go out and prove yourself mm-hmm. worthy of something better. And uh, so we're going to see what Baker Mayfield's made of. Roger, before we turn over to this uh, basketball tournament, uh, finish up with the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost a couple, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, they got great draft choices. How do you think they made out? Well, I think they've done, uh, you know, just fine. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, some other players that uh, are going to go and, and some that uh, come in. But, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, we can't really criticize Howie Roseman. Uh, you know, he's done a, a good job. He's kept those two first-round picks which I think uh, are very important. And he's got plenty of, uh, of inventory uh, after that too. So uh, I think the, the, uh, they're, they're not rebuilding, obviously. Uh, they need to do some work on the defense because they lost a lot of free agents. But the offense is pretty solid. And uh, now the next step is uh, the Jalen Hurts contract, just like we've been talking about uh, with other quarterbacks because – his rookie deal will be coming uh, coming up next year. So we'll see. Roy, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, we got the NCAA tournament coming up. Uh, you, just before you joined us at the beginning of the show, uh, we talked about uh, how wide open this tournament is, maybe more than any tournament uh, they've ever put together. And uh, two factors. One, Philadelphia for the first time in eons doesn't have one team, uh, the Big Five or Drexel anyone that's into the big tournament, or in the NIT for that matter. Villanova lost last night. Uh, but uh, some of your observations on the NCAA tournament before we switch to hockey. Yeah, this will be brief because, guys, I haven't watched any college basketball all season long. Uh, I know who the four uh, number one seeds are. I took a brief look at a bracket that I still haven't filled out yet uh, today, but uh, that's pretty much where it stands. Um, got a deadline gonna... on that, Roy. Got to get yeah, I know that. <laughs> as soon as I'm done here, guys, <laughs> I sit down and fill it out, and it'll be a quick pick on the computer. I, I look, I don't know. I, I've, I like Purdue. I'll say that. Um, you know, from what I've heard, I think Purdue could be a, a very interesting team and could go all the way here. UCLA is a team, obviously, to watch. It's the usual suspects, you know, for the most part. Um, Alabama's uh, got a strong team, obviously, a number one seed. Uh, Houston is back. Uh, on top, it's been a long time since they were there, maybe. But uh, at the end of the day, look, it almost doesn't matter. The, the, the tournament is going to be great. That's that's one thing. It always is. There's going to be upsets. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be a Cinderella team or two that we're all going to fall in love with over the first couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to captivate every uh, sports uh, fan's attention uh, and, and a lot of non-sports fans, too. 
it's amazing how the NCAA basketball tournament kind of brings everybody together in a way that uh, maybe no other sporting event except the Super Bowl does. It uh, just brings people in from every corner, and uh, it, uh, it, it it never fails us. It never fails us, guys. It's as uh, true a, a sporting event as you can have. Uh, you, you never you're, you're never disappointed uh, in the NCAA tournament, as long as, of course, you don't have a particular team that you're rooting for and they get knocked out early. If that happens, it's disappointing. But at the end of the day, it's one of the greatest sporting events we put together here in, the, in this country, and it's uh, it's always must-see, for sure. Roger, before we get some of your picks, it's, uh, just to amplify what uh, Roy is saying, it's uh, other than the Super Bowl, what everybody's 37 desks down on the lineup still makes a bet on the Super Bowl, whether it's in a pool or whether it's a legitimate bet. The same thing with uh, you know, March Madness. Everybody has a pool. Everybody has a bet. Everybody has something. So uh, it, it's covered by the world. Exactly. And uh, I, I, I sent mine in uh, the other day, and a friend of mine that uh, handles it, we've uh, been with uh, in this group for, uh, I think, 30 years now, and there's, uh, oh, hundreds. Uh, it, uh, and a fellow worked in broadcasting uh, with us years ago, and uh, he sent me an, an email. I couldn't figure out why mine wasn't complete. Well, I neglected to put in one, check off one team, and it was Kansas, Kentucky. I don't know how I missed that, but uh, that's all <laughs> corrected now. But I, when was the last time we saw a sub-500 team in the tournament? Now, granted, this was a play-in, and it was a special uh, uh, situation, uh, but I'm already ahead. Because I picked Pitt in the play or in the play-in, and they won. So I'm starting to feel good as we're going. In. I don't know how how long I'm going to feel very good, but I feel good today. Well, also I, I'm a little surprised that uh, Kansas is defending champion. We haven't had too many defending champions, but uh, uh, and I don't know what Silk uh, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't coach the last game. But I don't know whether he's sick or exactly what it is, but. Kansas surprisingly has not been picked by many people to come back and uh, and repeat as the champion. Uh, Roy, were you surprised by that? I'm sorry, surprised by what? I'm sorry. Kansas. Um, no, not really. Uh, look, for, Kansas is one of those teams that I mean, you just perennially count on them to be in the mix. And when I say in the mix, not just in the tournament, obviously, but you know, in the Sweet Sixteen. You know, they're always – it's like they're always going to be there. I mean, it's just a, it's a basketball school. And uh, so not really surprised. Uh, who knows, you know, maybe do they quite deserve the number one seed this time around? Maybe not. But uh, at the end of the day, um, look, they usually get these things pretty close to right. Um, but I'm not surprised Kansas is there. Um, it's it's just one of those teams that always seems to – they play at their best when they, when they have to play at their best. And sometimes, you know, they're – uh, a little bit underrated, and the next thing you know, what they're in the they're in the elite eight, and uh, <laughs> suddenly they're in the final four, and you know they were a four seed or something. So it's uh, not that surprising. Well, I think two things uh, before we jump to hockey, and that is that if Alabama can keep players eligible, they're <laughs> right on the borderline of having people eliminated from being able to play. But if they can play, yeah. if they're all <laughs> on the board and they can play, I, I think Alabama is one of the better teams. I also think that Connecticut. Uh, I think Connecticut uh, uh, may surprise some people, and uh, uh, they play both ways. They play some pretty good defense. They have pretty good offense. Uh, so I'm, I'd, 
I sort of lead toward Connecticut to get into the finals. And if Alabama keeps everybody eligible, uh, they, they've got a good shot to go to the finals as well. But let's switch over now. Uh, Roger, maybe you want to make one more comment about the tournament before we switch to hockey. Yeah, well, I, the, I just wanted to let you know uh, we got the TL with us, that, so uh, we'll have with have him on the top of the hour. And uh, but I I pick Kansas to repeat, and uh, but I also Roy uh, am high on Purdue, and I had them uh, going strong, you know, into the uh, tournament. Uh, and and you know, and I picked the suspects, Alabama. I I agree about Houston. I think that uh, they're a strong uh, team. Uh, I th- forget who it was. I left it in the car. Uh, I did have uh, one of the uh, non uh, non. Uh, uh, number, uh, number ones, you know, uh, in the final four. Uh, it might have been in a, a number two. But the only thing we can say, Don, is that uh, at least there is a Philadelphia team in the play of March Madness, but it's on the women's side, okay, the Villanova Wildcats and Denise Dillon. So <laughs> there is – there is some hope in Philadelphia, but not the way everybody wants it to you. Well, I watched Villanova last night, and I thought sure that they had a chance to, you know, move in the NIT, at least win the first round. Uh, they only lost by two, but quite honestly, uh, uh, they could have lost by a lot more. They they were uh, seven and eight points behind most of the way. Uh, got a couple three-pointers toward the end to close the gap. Uh, but uh, Villanova did not uh, distinguish themselves too well in the NIT or – during the course of the regular season now. you got to remember, they got a brand-new coach and a couple of players that weren't able to play because of injury, and uh, so that made a big difference. But uh, as I say, it's, Roy would not be as familiar as you and I would be with how often the Big Five does not get a team. Usually the Big Five gets a minimum of two teams in the tournament, right. and a lot of times right. three teams in the tournament. But it didn't happen this year, and uh, it wasn't close to happening, to be honest with you. No, absolutely right. And uh, you look at the day, you know, when Phil Martelli had the Hawks, the St. Joe's in, Villanova Temple was in, and uh, and then going back further, LaSalle and uh, and Penn. I mean, you know, when uh, Fran Dunphy was at Penn, they were in every year because they would yeah. win the Ivy League uh, title. And, and you but also they got Drexel. Dan, Dan Baker was and, with Drexel, and you did a lot of the Drexel stuff. Drexel was yeah. in a lot of times. They might have been a fringe team. They may have been, you know, a 15 seed or 14 seed, but they were in the tournament. But now, exactly. no team from Philly is in the tournament. No, no. Down year, we can only hope uh, things uh, improve next year. Roy, let's switch to your uh, bread and butter hockey. Let's go to where where you think uh, the, the ladies stand right now. They lost a couple of big games. They, they came back yesterday. Was it yes last night? They won the night before. I forget now. It was last night or night before. But they've been struggling. They got to win on the road. That's for sure. Yeah, they uh, they won last night in New Jersey, uh, which is a good win for them based on how they've been playing of late. They've, uh, they've had a couple of weeks here where it's been a bit of a rough go for them. Uh, haven't played obviously at the level they uh, are capable of or expect to play. Um, you know, a little bit of a late season slump. I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't concern me at all. They're uh, uh, they're right there in the mix. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be fine. They're probably going to play Toronto in the first round, and that's going to be a one hell of a series. And um, you know, two very fast skating teams. They added some pieces uh, at the trade deadline, which I think are going to really help them a lot. Uh, again, more defensive oriented type players like Tanner Janot, 
that kind of a, a pickup I think really helps a team like the Lightning because, look, it's hard to find any better offensive, you know, first two lines of what Tampa can throw at you, especially when Brandon Hagel's uh, scoring the way he is. But uh, at the end of the day, um, comes down, you know, it, it, they've got all the pieces. They've they got the goaltender. Uh, the defense is solid, uh, maybe not exceptional, but uh, the scoring is exceptional or can be. And uh, if you play, you know, if you get enough grind and grit in there, uh, which they've done, and they, you know, kind of replaced the Yanni Gord that they lost and in, uh, in picking up a Tanner Janot type, uh, you know, you're going to you're gonna be okay, and I think they're going to be just fine. I really do. Um, yeah, a little bit of a slump, but at the end of the day, uh, they're as solid now as they have been, and uh, I expect them to go deep into the playoffs. Roger, we're going to talk about the, the Flyers a little bit in the next half hour, but uh, we look at what happened uh the Rangers went out and really made some strong moves to make a run in the playoffs. The Islanders did likewise. They made some strong moves in the last week and a half. And uh, the Devils are trying, although I don't know if they're going to be able to get there quickly enough, but everybody's trying to make a last-minute move to, uh, to, to get, at least get into the playoffs if not go far. Well, yeah, you know, and, and Tom's with us. Uh, he's on my uh, my line, and I thought that, you know, he can really bring some insight into it because he sees every Flyers game. So he's really in tune to, uh, you know, what's going on with these other teams up in the Northeast. So, uh, Guys, let you know, Tom take it away. Well, all right, let's okay. go, Tom. Uh, Tom You've got to be a little disappointed in your club. The Flyers just didn't uh... – didn't do what I thought they were going to do with the new coach. I thought he was going to be able to at least make them really competitive the first year, but what just didn't happen. Give us your uh, give us your account of the Flyers. Well, uh, I think uh, what I saw last night against the Golden Knights, uh, who are a very good team, by the way, they may be the best in the West. Uh, I know everybody likes Colorado, and <clears throat> but uh, you know the Vegas Knights. Uh, put on a very strong performance last night, and and one thing I think that. Uh, Coach Tortorella has accomplished, if not uh, winning, success has been uh, work ethic. Uh, the Flyers did, to me, the Flyers did everything last night but win the game. I mean, they controlled the puck. They had the most puck possession. Uh, they were in the uh, offensive zone more than uh, the Golden Knights were. And uh, I, they have a lot of young players who are really playing strong and fast. And believe it or not, because they're young, it, it, despite the fact that they're young, they're playing very good fundamental hockey. They didn't make any mistakes. Uh, Flyers have really cut down on penalties. They've got a couple of games within the last month without having one penalty in the whole game. And, uh, you know, you don't like to bring the injury thing in there, Don, but you have to <clears throat> you have to wonder how the Flyers would be with uh, Cam uh, in there and, and, of course, Sean Couturier. You don't take a sulky winner out of your lineup and expect not to feel the effects of that. And uh, the trade they made for the defenseman, he's not going to play at all. Probably his career is over. And they were leaning heavily on him. He's a top three uh, defensive player. Uh, So, you know, uh, in answer to your question, Tortorella is getting the most he can out of this team. And I think there's a lot of upside to them. Uh, But they are in what I think is the toughest division in the National Hockey League. Um, I don't think there's any... You know, name one or two teams in the in the West that could beat anybody in the East. You know, you were talking about Tampa Bay. That was a great game last night, Tampa Bay and the uh, Devils. Devils are on a run, but, you know, Tampa Bay is getting into its playoff mode right now. 
And, you know, how much more can you say uh, about the Boston Bruins? I mean, it's not too much not too much wrong you can say about that. No, team, they, so. they've had a great year, but they had a little slump, too. They won. They broke it last night. But, Roy, uh, you do a tour from the very beginning when he won the Stanley Cup in Tampa, Florida, in your backyard. And I know that uh, you covered him for a long time. I think you had uh, a little more favorable op- uh, opinion of the first year. You thought he might have be able to make a pretty good move the first year that didn't happen. Don, uh, Roy had to go. Oh, Roy had to go? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll go back the, to Tom then because, uh, Tom, I, I I really did. I thought Torque was going to uh, – and as you <laughs> mentioned, you lost some players and injuries and not only that, but trying to get this team together in, in the middle of the season, trying to make some changes to, to bolster the roster uh, – does it does it deem well for the future? Do they they look like they're going into the off season with something to really work with? I believe so. Like I said, Don, they're the uh, one thing that Tortorella has done. He's got them uh, the work ethic that it was there really in evidence last night has been in evidence in the last few games the Fires have been playing. They're they're very seldom out of the game, Don. They they don't get blown out very often. Uh, there was a Tampa Bay game was to you know one nothing game against Tampa Bay. But uh, you know they they have they have the the um, the foundation of a lot of young good players. A couple of them haven't even played yet this year or coming in probably next year. But the you know, the the downside of all this is that uh, they're just in a tough division. I mean they're in a tough conference. They're, you know I mean there's not too many weak teams. You know and I haven't mentioned Carolina yet. But there's not too many diff, you know weak teams in the Eastern Conference. And right. uh, when they're the ones you have, they're the, one, they're the ones you have to play the most. Um, you know, there's a big, there's a big hill to climb. I mean, look at all the teams they have to climb over uh, to, to just even to get into the playoffs. But uh, Tortorella's uh, impact on the team is in evidence, and you could see that last night. Uh, there were n- very few uh, dumb plays, very few giveaways, um, and they, the young players are making smarter moves than you would expect players of their age to make roger well they didn't make a lot of trades at the uh, a lot of moves uh, at the uh, trade deadline and they got a new or going to have a new general manager do you expect uh, the acting general manager who was what the assistant do you expect him to get that job tom or somebody outside uh danny Breer? yeah uh yeah danny's going to be there i uh a scenario that nobody and I talked to in the press box last night and asked anybody if uh, they had even had any notion about the scenario of <clears throat> bringing Dave Poulin, uh into the mix and uh, and set up, you know, the positions. I mean, it's all nomenclature. Uh, president of hockey operations and general manager, one way or the other. It's just you know a title or you know given to uh, the position. But uh, <clears throat> I would, uh, if they could get. You know, Dave Poulin out of his cushy job with TNT, uh, he's a brilliant player. And, you know, one thing, uh, I've, you know, you notice any time the Flyers have had a general manager or a position in an upper management, it, he's most often has been from uh, the ranks of a former player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, was just, it, was, it wasn't a good run with uh, Ron Hextall, but I don't think – I think Ron was unfairly uh, uh, fired. Um, and when they brought in somebody outside of the Flyers' ranks who never played or had any connection with the Philadelphia Flyers, you see what has happened. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, if they can convince Dave Pullen into leaving uh, television to come in, he's the per- I mean, he was the he was the Flyers captain who succeeded Bobby Clark. I mean, there's a lot of good bloodline in there with the Philadelphia Flyers and Dave Pullen, and he's brilliant. And I think and he, he would be a fan favorite. Um, at, but more importantly, I think he he knows hockey inside out. And to me, he nobody has mentioned this because I guess they figure you're not going to get Dave to uh, to leave his uh, job in television. But uh, that's uh, you know, if I had the money call, that's talks. what I would. Yeah, think, money yeah. talks. And he sees a lot of a lot of teams in that job at TNT. So the other yeah, factor is Tom Lemaine, our special guest this half hour. Tom, uh, when you look at uh, the Flyers, let me ask you a question off the ice for a second. Has the attendance has they have they been able to recapture some of the magic uh, of attendance for the Flyers now, or is it still struggling? No, they're struggling, Don. They really are. <clears throat> they. Uh, they, uh, they, the attendance last night was weak, um, but <laughs> when they played the Rangers a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was reminiscent of Mets-Phillies games. I mean, the Rangers, I would say 40% of the crowd that night were, Philadelphia, were New York Ranger fans, if only because they, uh, <laughs> they come down the turnpike and pay half the price to get in to see a hockey game <laughs> that they would pay to, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but that was uh, that was a very strong Ranger uh, contingent of fans in that game. And uh, other than that, no, the, you know the fans. You know, to me, uh, you know, it's it's uh, water over the dam, of course. But to me, uh, uh, Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, they should have made every possible effort. I don't care what it took. They should have made every possible effort to get the number one player in hockey for many people who wanted to play in Philadelphia. And you know, even it, for even for what was desperately needed at the time was a good PR move and getting Johnny Gaudreau, a local guy who is, you know, arguably the best player in hockey, get him to play for the Philadelphia Flyers would have, you know, solved a multitude of problems. And uh, I don't, you know, you got to be able to work some kind of magic to, uh, to to, through the numbers game to do that. But I, like I said, I, uh, I don't accept the fact that there was nothing they could do to get Johnny Gaudreau to play in Philadelphia. And that would Tom, have, uh, the, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils all made relatively strong moves. The Rangers, I think, probably more than anybody made strong moves two days before the trading mm-hmm. deadline. Uh, you know, they took some real shots. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, but I, you know, and I, uh, I don't. Speaking of the Rangers, I, I didn't, I didn't think they ever needed that Chicago Blackhawk player. I mean, I, I don't. The Rangers had the, the best top six of any team in the National Hockey League. Look and now they look what they gave yeah, up. But, but but more than that, they they've 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 upset the uh, the mojo they had going there. I mean, they've already broken up the kid line, uh, you know, by putting Heedle up on one of the top lines and dropping. I I just didn't think uh, it was necessary uh, to go out and get him. Uh, the Rangers had a good enough team. I don't think the chemistry is is I don't know. I mean, there's still some games to go before the playoffs. But I just thought that the Rangers had it all going for them, and uh, uh, they have a very good coach. I don't know why he's had problems with other teams. <laughs> I just don't understand. Gargalon is, to me, is a very good coach. So uh, that's the Rangers story I see. But, um, you know, it's a toss-up right now. I mean, who, who, and Pittsburgh's coming on strong. I mean, you, you can't deny Pittsburgh when it comes to the playoffs. 
And, uh, you know, to me, it's a toss-up who comes out of the East. It really is. There's so many very good, strong teams that can really put a lot of good players out on the ice every night. Roger? Well, yeah, the uh, and I'll tell you, Tom, but when I uh, did get to see the Flyers, uh, I guess it was uh, what, back in uh, December, uh, I did uh, see a, a difference in their uh, in their play, like you were saying. But to to move over to baseball, <clears throat> talk a little bit about uh, the uh, signing that the Phillies made of the Navy pilot from Annapolis. Uh, have your picture mm-hmm. with uh, him at spring training, and uh, and you had mentioned that about circumventing the uh, Rule Five, uh, uh, the Rule Five l- rule. And uh, talk a little bit about that and about him. And uh, you, you think he has a real chance to make the team? Well, I'm not the only one. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, he was not – he came out of college as the number one pitcher in college. He has all the records at the Naval Academy. Even in his brief time uh, with the, uh, Class AAA, low A, whatever it was, he had a 1.6 ERA get the bottom to go back to the beginning of the whole story. Dave right. Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski was with the Boston Red Sox when the Boston Red Sox were the only team willing to draft him. It simply because he had a military commitment in front of him. Well, you know, Dave Dombrowski, now the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, he drafts him again. I mean, here's Let me the, ask here's you this, player, Tom, because he just made a rule change now. Uh, you can now waive that automatic and go in at the end of your career now. That's that just this year? Was that just no, changed for this no, year? No, no he, what happened was he, he got a deferment to uh, go from active duty to reserves. And now he can play while still being a member of the United States Navy. So yeah, no, but that, I'm talking about in football. It, 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 one of the leading uh, linebackers, linemen, coming out of this draft, is coming out uh, of West Point, and he could defer going into the military if he is picked and uh, does go to the National Football League. He could defer his commitment until after he's finished. Is that correct? Well, uh, there's two separate things. I mean, his deal right. and the and the deal with Noah Song are different altogether. Uh, Noah Song's arrangement is that now that he's a, a reservist, he would have to serve six years in the Navy Reserves. Uh, okay. But what, what, but I asked him when I talked to him down in Clearwater uh, a couple of days ago, I said, well, what if the major league deal doesn't work out for you? Uh, you still remain a reservist? And he said, uh, yeah, well, you would think so. But probably because I'm a pilot, I think the Navy would rather have him an active duty uh, sailor rather than a reservist because he's too valuable. I mean, it you know, uh, the Navy doesn't get too many pilots to clear their training program down there, and he's one of them. Uh, but, you know, and the irony of the whole thing, uh, I know a lot of people know this, if if Noah Song had remained active duty, he would have been with the uh, unit that co- that is stationed in Tokyo, the uh, reconnaissance unit that flies the uh, P-8 reconnaissance plane, the same plane that uh, carried the CNN reporters of a couple of weeks ago that were buzzed by a Chinese jet. That, that's, uh, that's what he would be doing. He would be flying reconnaissance missions in the South China Sea. And, you know, <laughs> what, a, what a turnaround to go from what I think is the current uh, point of the spear. Uh, that's a, a hairy, you know, it's not going to take one or two big mistakes 
in the South China Sea to set off a fire out there. And they're just testing each other and nudging. They're poking. You know, the Chinese are doing this. And even the Russians, I mean, they, they knocked down a, a United States uh, reconnaissance uh, uh, drone, and uh, which to me is, is equivalent to knocking down a U.S. Uh, aircraft, United States aircraft. But anyway, he, he changed to reserves, Don, and that means okay. he, uh, he'll stay a reservist while he's doing his uh, um, while he's doing his major league deal. I really think the Phillies are trying very hard to make him on to put him on the team, not because they have to, because of the real fi- rule five rules, but by placing him on the injured reserve, that gives them an extra thirty days. In other words, when the first day they don't have to have him on the active roster, which the rule five says on the first day of the season. However, if he's on the IR, that gives them an extra 30 days to put him on the roster. And when they're doing all these things, Don, and the fact that he has a lot of history with Dave Dombrowski, I, I think he's, um, he's on the fast track. You know, it, you know, of course, what has gone against him is that he hasn't pitched in two years serving in the Navy. But, uh, I, you know, I talked to Dickie Knowles and, uh, the, uh, down at uh, spring training, and he says, He's got some mean stuff. I mean, he's got like a 97-mile-an-hour slider. He's got major league stuff, but it's a question of getting into major league, uh, major league shape to pitch. He is pitching what is called uh, uh, bullpen pitching now, but next week he will start pitching against hitters. And, uh, you know, when they, they're backing off on his back. But, you know, of all the things that put you on the IR, a stiff back is probably – in, in, in a scale of 10, it's probably a 10. You know what I mean? Well, All right, let's go right really there, Tom. Like thank you very, very much. A lot of insight on not only uh, some of the things that we're talking about uh, in hockey, but also on the baseball front. We'll have you on many, many times between now and the middle of the season. Take care of everything in Philadelphia for us, and uh, we'll get together soon again. All right, Don, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Darrell Ledbetter is on the line right now, and uh, – we're going to get down to Georgia, and of course, Roger's in Atlanta right now. And uh, Roger, uh, we uh, we almost had Darrell on last week. I <laughs> I made the mistake. I thought he was coming <laughs> on last week, and uh, but we got him on this week. So Darrell, you're right in the middle of what's happening in Athens. You're right in the middle of what's happening in Georgia. You're right in the middle of what's happening with uh, Rogers at Green Bay. Uh, let's start with what's happening in Athens. What what's the latest story there? Uh, yeah, it was just that pro day today. Uh, a lot of people were on hand to see Jalen Carter work out. Uh, he didn't um, finish his workout, um, you know. Uh, uh, so a lot of teams are, you know, kind of wondering uh, what he's been doing. But uh, it's been a tough situation for the kid. Uh, he was part of that accident that killed one of his teammates and uh, one of the um, administrative workers. So uh, he's been through a lot. But, yeah, the workout today for him and Stetson Bidnett were how he scrutinized. And, um, you know, um, we'll see how it uh, affects him in the draft. Roger? All right. Hey, hey Daryl, we talked a good, good talking to you. And uh, uh, Likewise, the, Roger. The, I, I, miss, I miss talking to you and miss seeing you. Let me tell you that. But uh, I wanted to – well, I wanted to, t- to talk to you, and I mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, what's what's your opinion of getting Jono Smith in that trade with the Patriots? Because I thought Kyle Pitts was the prototype 
of the modern uh, NFL game tight end. And I was surprised that they made it. Obviously, they want to use Pitts in a different uh, sense than tight end, or maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, we haven't heard that yet, but um, Janu and um, Kyle are, uh, you know, they're hoping that, uh, uh, you know, Arthur Smith used a lot of tight ends. He used four a lot. Uh, when he was in Tennessee, Janu was one of his guys, had career high 41 catches in 2020 and eight touchdowns. So he'd be more of the red zone tight end, and uh, Kyle would be more of the stretch uh, offense tight end that could flex out uh, and play some wide receiver. Uh, you know, they got some blocking tight ends in Parker Hesse and maybe John Fitzpatrick. Uh, but, yeah, the way they want to run the ball and use the tight ends, there's room enough for, for two of them in this offense. How about the uh, portal? Did they take a great advantage? Last year they took tremendous advantage of the portal, especially in the defensive secondary. How about this year? How did, what did they do with the portal this year? Uh, Georgia got uh, – they went wide receiver. They got a couple, uh, one from Missouri, one from Mississippi State. And uh, I believe they did get one D back out of the portal. Uh, but, yeah, they're highly selective as back-to-back champs. But, uh, and so yeah, they're able to go in there and get exactly what they need moving forward. Uh, they, they're going to need some receivers on the outside and uh, uh, some more help for the secondary. And that's what they were able to get out of the portal this time around. Well, I didn't see Kirby's press conference today, but uh, I'll have to uh, check it out because the poor guy had a lot to address about off-season activities. Unfortunate, a lot of unfortunate activities over in Athens, uh, no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've been subbing at uh, Hendricks uh, Middle School and going to see a lot of uh, West baseball games, but also uh, I saw football games. And uh, I saw that big uh, tight end from Denmark, uh, who was all state, uh, going up to, uh, I think he's going to Tennessee. That, that young man looks like he could make it uh, after, or definitely after a couple of years in the NFL, 6'7", 295 offensive tackle, Daryl. That's, that's our kind of guy. Yeah, that's a pretty big guy. Yeah, he'll probably add on some pounds, too, uh, and fill out as he grows up a little bit, and they'll get him in the weight room and try to make sure he's flexible and can bend and all those type of things. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be a good uh, gift for the Tennessee Volunteers. Darrell, I know you worked at the Green Bay area for quite some time, too, and Continue to be the big story is Rodgers, what's he going to do? And are they going to be able to do anything before June? Uh, that was really the story the last couple of days. Uh, you know, maybe, I mean, the, the Jets are going to be hanging, hanging very loose. If they, don't get, if they don't get their man, boy, they're in trouble. What do you think about Rodgers right at this point? Yeah, I think it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, being presumptive but. You know, giving the people a list and telling them what he will and won't do and who he wants and so forth. Uh, he's acting like he won four or five Super Bowls in Green Bay. <laughs> you know, he only won one. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah, if he wants to be the general manager and the coach and the owner, and uh, uh, I just uh, um, it's, it's it's just a little bit much. I think he's uh, running folks the wrong way here late in his career when he should be happy to have an opportunity if he wants to continue playing. 
Roger? Well, I, I heard yeah, I heard today, and I mentioned it uh, earlier. The Packers uh, take a big hit if they cut them. They take a lesser hit if they uh, trade them after June first. And uh, so, assuming that he the trade is after June first, but I do not see uh, him warranting a first round draft pick. And obviously, it wouldn't be this year because uh, you know uh, next month because uh, they can't really make that deal uh, cap wise until June first. Is that the way you look at it too? Um, I I know that um, you could go ahead and cut someone and designate part of the money to uh, be uh, June first, and uh, you know take some of it now and then June first push it into the next year. But I don't know what that does in a trade. Uh, so we're talking yeah. about a trade here, and when the trade would be official, uh, and um, you know they could they can work the money out however they need to do it. But um, yeah, I don't think that would be the the June first deal is more an accounting thing that you know the the, the salary cap guys all got figured out. No, I know <laughs> right. you look at the whole conference, uh, but everybody looks at Alabama. And Georgia right now, Georgia being the dominant team the last two years. Uh, your observations, uh, how did Alabama do in the, in the uh, signing period? Uh, and is it going to be another one-two uh, race again? Oh, uh, yeah, no question about it. I, I don't really, I didn't, uh, you know, look at their recruiting, but I know they're up in the top five, uh, you know, and until, um, you know, uh, Nick, uh, until Nick Saban's leaves, they're going to be a contender in the SEC and in the nation. Roger? Well, we're talking about Alabama, number one seed in the uh, March Madness uh, coming up. So, uh, boy, this is amazing how uh, they now in the two major college sports, uh, you know, they're number one. Uh, the, you know, the last time we we spoke, we talked about uh, Matt Ryan and what his future is. And, I don't know whether you've had any conversations with him, Daryl, or whether, uh, you know, he's planning on giving it another shot. Uh, Fred Khalil was on last week, and we talked about, and you've seen it as much as anybody or more than anybody, the shots that he has taken over the years, and especially in the maybe the last five years. Because I, I go back to when Mike Smith came in in 08, Matt Ryan came in, and, you know, they uh, we talked about, you know, Michael Turner and Obey Mahaley. They had some running backs, and they had a, an offensive line. But I did see that they signed one of the offensive linemen to a three-year uh, pack. So they mu- the Falcons must be happy, uh, you know, that the offensive line is developing. But what do you think Matt's going to do? Yeah, I think uh, Matt's gonna he's gonna not want to sit around and just collect the thirteen million, um, but he's got a. I don't think there's a situation where he starts, uh, but um, you know if he wants to keep playing and be a backup somewhere and have a chance to do it that way, uh, you know I know Matthew Stafford's his buddy. Maybe he goes out there and uh, if the Rams need a backup, he can do it. But uh, yeah. If he went and sat down, nobody would blame him. Uh, you know, they did take on a lot of hits here the last three years, and then they certainly took on some more in uh, in uh, Indianapolis last year. And that was supposed to be a good line and a competitive team, and it just didn't happen for him. So uh, if Matt wanted to sit down, nobody would blame him. Um, they'd throw a big party for him here in Atlanta. 
uh, he helped turn around the franchise and make them uh, playoff contenders for, you know, a good, better part of a decade, better part of a 14 yeah. years here. So, um, you know, if he does retire, be the retirement of one of the all-time greats in Atlanta Falcon football. Darrell, the one thing you have to look at uh, if you're going to sign him and, and look at him as a backup quarterback, uh, he's got to have an offensive line because his mobility is really restricted. A little bit like Flacco. Flacco uh, with the Jets, uh, you know, he can still play, but you've got to have an offensive line to protect him uh, because he doesn't have that kind of mobility. And I think that's the same thing uh, you find out in his case. Yeah, no doubt. That's what, yeah, being a running game and uh, you need to have a line that's going to hold up. And, uh, uh, and then once he's in there, you know, he's going to get blitzed a lot too. So he can get the, rid of the ball. Uh, but, um, yeah, if he can find the perfect situation, um, you know, I'm sure he'll try it and uh, maybe even go to camp. And if he gets there and he doesn't feel like it's going to be a good situation, nobody's going to be mad when he decides to hang up his cleats. Roger, you know it just occurred to me. I I want I don't know who the backup is uh, in Dallas. Uh, I mean, there's been so much uh, movement. I see that uh, Heineke's gone from uh, the Commodores. Uh, he's I forget who it was. I saw that he signed with somebody else. But uh, you know, I'm just wondering. He, he signed uh, with uh, what? Oh, he signed is with that the who he went? Yeah. He was signed yeah, with the Falcons. Yeah. Okay, that's where yeah. I read it then. Yeah. So Cooper uh, Rush, they still I have. In okay, they still have Mariota, right, for another year. No, they cut him. Yeah, they cut him. So they got. Uh, oh, they cut him, uh, even though he had the two-year contract. Okay. Yeah, they cut him. Well, Heineke. Go ahead. Yeah, they got Ritter and Heineke. And Ritter and Heineke. Well, I'm wondering whether uh, Matt might be a fit uh, because, you know, Dan Quinn's uh, in Dallas. Uh, I'm just wondering whether that might be a fit down there. I mean, Mike McCarthy obviously is going to be, I'm sure, calling the plays now that uh, uh, the offensive coordinator uh, is going. They already but, made that uh, announcement. He, he already said he's taking over as the play caller. He's, that's, I know. That's what I, I heard. Yeah, I saw that in. But I'm just wondering whether that might be a good fit for Matt as a backup uh, uh, down there to Zach, to Dak. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, I, I think that could be a good situation. Uh, I know Cooper Rush is down there and did a pretty good job when Dak was out last year. Uh, if they can't keep him because they're talking him maybe going to the Giants, uh, and that might open a spot for Matt Ryan. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that would definitely, uh, you know, he definitely have a good recommendation and Coach uh, Dan Quinn that's down there. So, yeah, we want to keep an eye on Cube Cooper Rush and uh, Matt Ryan maybe going to Dallas. Darrell, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've really battled around about the quarterback situation. Uh, uh, Tate Jackson now, and uh, they signed him to the uh, to the contract for, what, $38 bucks. But it's a uh, a contract that he can be uh, sold or he can be traded and get the course of the two draft choices and so forth. But they're, they're trying to, at least we think, let me get your opinion, we think they're trying to keep control of the amount of money paid to quarterbacks because if you pay them all this money, you have no money for anybody else. Right. Yeah, um, and uh, the the Cleveland situation, it was four quarterback situations. I was talking with Art Smith today. The Cleveland one, 
uh, last year. Uh, Denver paying all the money to Russell Wilson. And uh, then there were a couple others that, um, you know, were just outliers that nobody could pay that money. But then also with the wide receivers last year, uh, you know, those receiving prices went up so high that the Falcons said, hey, we just better take this receiver. And then there was a, a run on receivers there only because everybody didn't want to overpay for receivers and quarterbacks. So Lamar, is, his position is, hey, I'm better than uh, Deshaun Watson. I should get more than $230 million guaranteed. So he's turned his nose up at the three-year 133, um, you know, because he wants uh, what he believes is a market deal, whereas the market is trying to recorrect itself and get these quarterback prices back in line. Roger? Yeah, I've I've been saying I don't think that uh, Lamar is going to be playing for the uh, Ravens this year. And uh, I I wouldn't be a bit surprised he never plays for the Ravens again, and I think that that's exactly what's going on, and uh, and that's why you got to have a good quarterback, a really good quarterback on a rookie contract as you're racing the hole, Daryl. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, most of the rookie quarterbacks come out and can't really do much. We've seen them be recycled through. That whole class yeah. with um, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and the only one still holding on is Josh Allen because uh, Josh Rosen didn't make it. So, um, you know, that, that's just, uh, uh, you know, those teams that are not in the quarterback world that don't have a quarterback, uh, you're living in a bad place. That's what Eric DaCosta was telling us up at the Combine. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is that the Giants just signed Joe, but they signed him for 160 million bucks. Uh, a big difference between 160 million dollars over a legitimate number of years, as opposed to over 200. I mean, it's, it's you're just taking money away from everybody. Yeah, and that's what Cleveland's doing. They're already restructuring that contract, trying to uh, spread the money around, and uh, you know the but the cap is going to go up. Years, so those numbers aren't going to look as um, bad as uh, as they do seem to be right now. Roger. Uh, how do the Falcons look? I mean, the draft's a month away, but um, how do the Falcons look now compared to the way uh, you saw them at the uh, last game of the season, Daryl, with the moves that they made? Do you think they're on the right course uh, for success in the near term? No, Roger, I don't. I think they still got rebuilding to do here. Um, they made some good moves to solidify the defense, but, you know, they're still uh, missing quite a few parts. But uh, the the beauty of it is they're in the NFC South, and uh, nobody's really – everybody's rebuilding. And uh, so, uh, so you, you got a shot. So, you know, that's the best thing we can say. You can't say this is a championship-level team right now. Um, but you can't say it's one that's uh, building and um, showing signs of improvement. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we talked about the first half hour of the show because, uh, you know, you look at Tampa Bay and they win it uh, one game, uh, you know, under 500. And uh, at the same time, uh, the South, as you indicated, was a struggle all the way through. There's no dominant team. So if you can make a couple of legitimate moves, uh, you you have a chance to really be competed at the top in the South. 
Well, you know, the um, the Saints got Derek Carr, and nobody else has a really good quarterback. So uh, Tampa Bay is going with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. You know, they got a decent defense. Saints got a decent defense. The Falcons got a rushing game. So there's Carolina is going to be starting with a new quarterback. So, um, yeah, it just depends on what you think of Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield. Roger? Well, what's your opinion? <laughs> you see a lot of football. Well, both of those guys have got losing records. So it's the reason why they got traded and have, have been on, uh, in uh, Baker's case, uh, multiple teams. And in, uh, uh, in Derek Carr's case, you know, he, he's uh, been with the Raiders and went to the playoffs once. So nobody really reminds me of uh, – uh, you know, a Super Bowl caliber team or a quarterback. Baker Mayfield just wound up in a couple of bad positions. I mean, when he was with Cleveland, uh, he had the one good year and it just didn't turn around to follow up. He didn't have a follow up. And then, of course, last year was pretty much a disaster. So, uh, are you a, a Baker Mayfield uh, uh, advocate or are you uh, on the line? 50 50. No, I don't like him. I'm not a big Baker fan. Ever since he tried to plant the flag on the big O in uh, in Ohio State, kind of kind of um, a little too big for his britches. So um, yeah, not a big Baker fan. Yeah, I understand that. Do you talk to uh, Coach Mike Smith at all, uh, Daryl? I'll tell you, I think the world of him. And uh, you think about the magnificent run that the Falcons had and, and every uh, year for that run, like you said, for almost a decade, uh, you know, we're pretty much, uh, we go to a game and, and we expect to win. And the other thing is, I, I've said that many times, look at Matt Ryan's record in Mercedes-Benz Stadium versus uh, the uh, Georgia Dome. I mean, night and day, but that's also indicative of the Falcons' record night and day in the new stadium. But uh, do you talk to Mike Smith at all? No, Roger, I haven't talked to him in a while. I need to give him a call. Uh, you know, we usually talk uh, right before the season and in summertime, and uh, I know he's playing golf somewhere. <laughs> uh, if he can. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll check in with him. But, yeah, he did have George Jones going. It's been a little tough in the new stadium, uh, five consecutive losing seasons. And uh, I know they're looking forward to trying to put that back together and, uh, uh, you know, provide a winning game atmosphere uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Darrell, switching over to baseball for a moment, uh, taking a look at the Braves, it's pretty much a, well, uh, everybody sort of thinks it's one, two, three, Braves, Phillies, uh, uh, you know, in the Mets. Uh, oh, right. Maybe okay. your observation on the Braves. I'm sorry, y'all. I have my students here at the softball game, and they're trying to check out. But the, we would talk about the Braves, and uh, they're doing a good job and trying to follow them in training camp. But, uh, yeah, I got to attend to my students here uh, at the Georgia Braves softball game. Okay. Well, listen, Darrell, we appreciate it. And thanks, All as right. always, uh, Take care. Best to you, your family. And I know your daughter's still one of those stars over in Augusta, and she's on the fast track. 
Okay, Roger. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You all take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate okay, it. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Dale, take very, care. very much. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Take care of every, take care of everything down there across the base of Dixon. <laughs> How fast that He's happens. a ter- terrific guy. Daryl goes out and Mike comes in. Mike's down in Baltimore as always. And Mike, uh, let's let's change up the routine a little bit. Uh, MLS is underway. Uh, uh, any surprises? The first three or four games. Uh, uh, Philadelphia's <laughs> lost one of their. They're two and one. Uh, got a couple they of undefeated teams. Two, three and zero. Oh. Uh, some of your observations on MLS. Well, I think the biggest surprise came to uh, this week, and it wasn't actually in MLS. It was in the CONCACAF Champions League, which uh, is the regional uh, club competition, champions club competitions. It's all the, uh, the top teams in the various uh, leagues around here. And Austin FC, who uh, finished second in the Western Conference last year, were actually upset over two legs, a Haitian team. Uh, they got beat three one down in all. Um, in uh, they got beat three nothing down in Haiti, and then last week they were um, they were only able to get two back. So when you look at where they are relative in the rankings, this is probably one of the biggest upsets in this particular tournament's history. So that was kind of the I think. Of the early season, I would say that was the biggest shock, even though it's not necessarily an MLS game. Right. Uh, it was definitely a, a, a really surprising result. But congratulations to um, Violette, the, um, the Haitian team, as they're, they're going to move on. Uh, the Union uh, had a, a team from El Salvador, and they, they won big at Subaru Park, so they'll be advancing as well. Roger? Well, the uh, United, uh, the uh, I'm starting to see them uh, have some action, and uh, th- there's been a lot of speculation. They've made some moves, and uh, do you see them as as re- uh, returning to uh, uh, a, a positive uh, winning record this year, Mike, or are they still in the process of change? I think that they brought in some good players. Um, Georgia's got. Uh, Giacomacus was a guy that I watched quite a bit of when he was playing over in Celtic. He's in his mid twenties. He's about six foot one. He was a pretty consistent uh, scorer for them uh, over in the Scottish Premier League. Didn't necessarily play ninety minutes a game, uh, but was definitely banging some goals in. Uh, I'm really interested to see how. He adapts to the MLS uh, to a slightly different style of play. Uh, in the Scottish Premier League, it was a lot of all-out attacks, so there were a lot of opportunities. Style of play is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Miles Robinson, the young American defender, is coming off of a, a catastrophic injury last year that kept him out almost the whole season and caused him to miss the World Cup. How he recovers is going to be extremely important to both Atlanta United and the the U.S. men's national team because this was a guy who, up until last summer when he um, tore his Achilles, he was a nailed-on starter. He was one of the guys that we thought was going to form the core of the U.S. uh, 
defense going into the World Cup. And so not only does he have to fight his way back from injuries in MLS, um, he has to fight his way back into the rotation for the U.S. men's national team, back onto that team. And, you know, that that whole entire injury probably cost him a pretty big money move over to a bigger European league. So he's going to have his sights set on um, earning his way back to the forefront in that respect as well. Switching over, Mike, the, the National Hockey League for a little bit. Uh, Washington, uh, uh, they're, they're struggling a little bit. They're, they're trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, they're three games back of the line at the moment, uh, or three teams, I should say. Uh, your observation of where they stand, their super player didn't play last night. Uh, of course, he had to go home because of family death and left the club, and that cost them a little few games. Uh, your observation of Washington? Um, you know, they got a little bit of a, a um, taste of what life looks like uh, last month without Alessandro Ovechkin, and it didn't look good. Right. It's a team consistently that has struggled to score. And what we're seeing is a lot of these guys, uh, Carlson, uh, Hagelin, uh, TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, all of them have been carrying injuries. Um, it, it, Tom Wilson was coming back from a torn ACL. So they came into the season banged up. Their whole entire idea was, hey, look, if we can tread water and get into the playoffs, then, you know, everybody will be healthy. We can make a run. You know, everything will be good. Uh, I think what they found out is it just doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, So... They're really struggling right now because they just, you know, they never got off to a um, a real stellar start. It's been inconsistent. The defense has been inconsistent. And it's a team, let's face it, it's one of the oldest teams in the NHL right now. And we're starting to see a lot of guys who are either reaching or past their sell-by dates. Right. Uh, they had – a lot of trouble with the salary cap because of the big um, contracts. So they were just hoping to get one more good run in for TJ Oshie. But it looks like they're really going to have to make some tough decisions over the next couple of years. Um, Can we continue to try and trot this out and keep this core together? um, Or do we have to break it up? They're kind of, you know, remember the Celtics teams, um, of the 80s as it got into the 90s and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and Dennis Johnson, all of those guys started to break down and everybody looked at them and said, you know, you probably should have moved them a little bit earlier. Um, That's kind of where the cops are right now at the very beginning of that process where, you know, they... Well, even though that shit falls into that category, I mean, he's a senior citizen now. He's a senior citizen, but, I mean, if you want to compare him to the Larry Bird of the group, you know, he's still a super effective player who has a lot of value, and they do want to see him continue out his career as a capital in any records that he might set. You know, they want to see him do that as a capital, but you also have to look at, you know, Backstrom. Can he be a, you know, even a 60-game-a-season player, and can he be effective – what more can you get out of T.J. Oshie at this point? 
the Adam Mantha deal, which was a big one that they made about three seasons ago, that doesn't look like it's necessarily paid dividends as well. So they've got some really tough personnel decisions that they've got to make and trying to assemble a team that, you know, are they looking to compete? Are they willing to rebuild even with Alexander Ovechkin? Uh, if they miss the playoffs like I think they do, and I, this has got to be only the second time in, I think, 17 years that they have, um, they're going to have a tough off season with a lot of questions that they have to deal with. Roger? Uh, Mike, getting back to the uh, MLS, uh, looking at the standings and uh, the uh, United, Nashville, Cincinnati all tied with seven points. Uh, Miami, the Union, and uh, New England Revolution, uh, six. And uh, what I found interesting uh, was looking at this, that uh, uh, they've all played, uh, well, the top three have played seven games, and then the next uh, three have played six games. Uh, but, no, uh, they've uh, all played the, three games. The, uh, uh, the points No, I'm, not, I'm sorry, six points, three games. You're right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant, meant to say. And uh, you know they're two and zero, two and zero, two and zero, two and one, two and one, two and one. But the, the it just seems like do you think this is the way it's going to be uh, this tight through? I mean, I know it's early, but that this is the way it's going to be for the entire season. No, um, you're going to start to see the better teams pull away. The MLS season uh, doesn't really start until probably July when the uh, primary window opens and teams are to make roster moves, to bring in players and fill gaps and things like that. That's when you really start to see um, teams compete because they get a chance to, if there's a hole, they can fill it. They get a chance, you know, like a LA Galaxy. If they need to, they're going to bring in a big-name player. Uh, whenever you hear those rumors of Lionel Messi or one of the play- big-name players in Europe that could contribute and really just change something, that would be the time frame that they came. And the case I'll use is about, again, about two, three seasons ago. Uh, D.C. United, uh, they were second to last in the Eastern Conference, and they were able to bring in Wayne Rooney over the summer. And he turned them from – a team that was going to finish as the anchor to a playoff contender, and they nearly won a playoff game. So we know mm. that you know just one player of that caliber can uh, can change a team's fortunes. And as much as I love Wayne Rooney, he's one of my favorite players of all time. By the time he got to United, he wasn't uh, DC United. He was kind of. Um, his best days were well behind him, and he was able to do stuff like that. Imagine if you got, hypothetically, a Lionel Messi in the, the type of player that he is or some of the other ones. That can completely change the season. Uh, you know, it takes about a month or two to fully gel. Um, at this point last year, the union were going through a stage where you know, they weren't losing, but they weren't winning. I think they had like four or five draws in a row. And, you know, it was like, oh, well, they're not – they're still undefeated. They're just not winning games. And then uh, they went on a run where they just started winning and not dropping any points. And lo and behold, 
they ended up as the Eastern Conference champions. So it is way, 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 way too early after three games in the MLS season to really get a clear picture. You know, uh, the Union went on the road and lost to Miami, knowing full well that they had a big uh, CONCACAF Champions League match coming up. Their focus was on that. It cost them. They advanced. You know, now their focus is going to be back on the league. We got to get through these comp- these sorts of competitions, and then we'll start to see the, how um, these t- teams shake up. I think at the end of the this, this season, the, the race for the playoffs may be tight, but I think you're going to start to see some separation in between the best teams. You know, and we all think that the Union are going to be one of them in the East. Looks like it's going to be LAFC again. So, you know, you'll start to see some clear separation between the uh, contenders and the pretenders. Mike, switching once again, uh, Washington, uh, first of all, the 76 is right now down by five, 60 to 55, playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, they are at halftime, just halftime just came up. Uh, but at the same time, Washington is one spot out. They're behind Chicago uh, as far as getting into play, even to the play-in, play-in division in the National Basketball Association. Have they got enough talent to get into the play-ins, at least, if they're going to deep into a playoff? I think if they, they have enough talent to get into the play-ins, again, much like the, the um, Capitals, the question is, can they ever get all of their key players on the court at the same time? You'd be amazed at how few games they've actually had Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma all three of them available at the same time. It always just seems like one of them or two of them are just injured and not available. And I think, you know, in the games where all three of them play, they're talented enough to make a run at it, and they've been successful. You know, the trade of um, Rui Hachimura to the Lakers, um, the pieces that they brought back have been contributors. It's it's really freed up Denny Advia to uh, contribute as well. Uh, they've got some good pieces, and I think the roster is good enough to get at least into the playoffs. Um, they play in. Uh, I don't think that they're a contender to win a playoff series, but I think they can get into the playoff tournament. But in order to do that, at some point in time, they're going to have to have a stretch of you know, 10 games where their three biggest players are all able to be on the court at the same time. Roger? The uh... – uh, well, uh, you know, that'll be interesting. We're getting ready for uh, the baseball's uh, regular season. And uh, have you gotten to watch the Nationals at, at all, Mike? No, I'd like to keep my eyeballs in my head. <laughs> and nothing new has uh, developed with that uh, infamous TV situation in our nation's Actually- capital. Actually, yeah, there, the um, arguments in the loss in the suit uh, over the the, uh, the lawsuit they went before the uh, federal court, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, up in New York today, as a matter of fact, for a ruling on the hundred million dollars that the Nats believe that Matt, the Orioles and Masson owe them. Now, when I tell you that this goes all the way back to uh, 2000 and 
2012 through 2018. That's how far, or 16. That's how far back this goes, right? They've been dragging this out for five for for years. And the Orioles' argument was that baseball, who ruled that Mass and owed the Nats a hundred million dollars, is not impartial. So it needs to go to another court who can decide later on uh, what whether or not this can be where. You know, the Nats were arguing, like, make a decision. Somebody make a decision. Finally, we have this. Um, baseball said that they owe us this money. You know, pay us. They have to clear the hurdle of the past money before they can even move on to discussions about what the, the future is going to look like because every time somebody sits down to talk about, well, how are we going to work this out in the future, well, we haven't settled that existing problem yet. So it, it, they have just – you want to talk about perpetually kicking the can down the road. That is what the O's have basically been doing with this massing deal. Uh, and it basically has stalled, completely stalled the, uh, the sale of the, um, of the Nationals. We all believe that at some point in time uh, it's going to be sold to Monumental Sports and Ted Leonsis. We all believe that, that he's the bidder, the buyer. Everything's lining up, but nothing's going to be done until we can sort out this uh, TV rights deal. Well, hmm. the one thing, uh, you know, Bally, of course, has so many rights that they're in bankruptcy, but baseball did say this uh, week that uh, Major League Baseball would uh, stream uh, the games to the people in, in, like, Cincinnati, for instance, one of the teams uh, that would be involved. But the teams that are involved with ballet would all be able to get the baseball game streamed by Major League Baseball. So at least they're going to get some access there. I didn't even get a chance to talk about the football team, which is also up in the air. Mike, thank you very much. We're out of time for this segment. But always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. All right. Have hey, a Roger, great week, quick. Mike. Yeah. There is an answer to that one, too, Roger. Um, you know, Major League Baseball did that, and we thought that that might be a workaround where the match – because back in 2005, when this was done, streaming wasn't a thought. But it mm-hmm. seems as though the Madison actually does own the streaming rights to the uh, the Nationals as well, or else that deal would have been done already. So they really just got them over the barrel. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very ticklish situation. And Mike, thanks again, yeah. as I said. Doug Hamilton, our uh, registered PGA professional. And boy, what a tournament we had last week, and what a tournament two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, for Arnold Palmer, and, and of course last mm-hmm. week uh, was was just exceptional. But uh, mm-hmm. Doug, before we talk about golf, uh, talk a little football because mm-hmm. I don't know all these mm-hmm. teams that are signing these players for unbelievable money, but uh, mm-hmm. but yet holding the strength of not giving them up. Well, it's you know that um, free agent frenzy uh, that they touted every year has um, surfaced again and. You know, I think there were plentiful teams that had, you know, I mean, the Bears had 90-something million dollars to spend. The, You know, you, you see uh, contracts being restructured to free up money. You see people being released uh, to free up money. You know, everybody had to be compliant by, uh, I think, 4 o'clock today, uh, which they deemed to be the start of the new season when all of these so-called deals that happened over the weekend uh, become official. Um, but yeah, lots of movement. Yeah, we talked of... about that the first half hour because the Bears really went wild. They spent 121.5 million dollars on free mm-hmm. agents, and uh, 
they had a lot of cap room to, to spend, and they spent it all. Well, they 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 carved off you know a piece of their pie that they had. They they still have you know money left, but I think that that first wave of of free agents, um, you know, they kind of had their pick with a couple good signings of linebackers and and some players uh, that hopefully can you know help their team. I mean, the Bears weren't very good last year, obviously, you know, having the first overall pick, which then they dealt from from Hall, um, you know, from you know, DJ Moore and some other players, you know, draft picks for subsequent years. Um, you know, you've seen, I mean, the Ravens lost a couple different players. They had um, released Calais Campbell. They traded Chuck Clark, who was their defensive captain last year. Uh, they lost Ben Powers. Um, you know, there was a tight end in there that wasn't really meaningful. But, you know, we, we heard the term earlier in the other segment about over the barrel. I mean, you've got, a couple different teams, the Jets and the Ravens most notably, who had to pretty much stand pat when all these players are changing teams because they don't know what, you know, the the blueprint moving forward is. You know, the Jets are waiting for a decision from Aaron Rodgers and how they can massage their payroll to get him on it or how many years that's going to be or whatever that contract looks like. You know, you have Lamar Jackson, who's still holding the Ravens hostage with, you know, not – signing his tender and looking for a better deal. And there's a lot of rumors kind of in the area here that the Colts might be a suitor for Lamar Jackson. But I just, I don't know. I don't really see. They could be, but I think it's very clear to me that after all the dust has settled, that no matter who or if anybody gives Lamar an offer, you know, the Ravens are going to match it. Um, they've Roger, they're saying that Atlanta is one of the teams that would be in the best position to make that kind of move with Lamar because they have the cap room and they also have the players to give up. Uh, your thoughts on that? I don't. I don't think so at mm-hmm. all. Like we talked to Daryl uh, Ledbetter before, and uh, you know that they don't have a lot of cap room. Uh, I, I just think that uh, it's a, a stalemate, and I don't mm-hmm. see. Didn't uh, didn't Indianapolis make the deal with Chicago or no uh, Carolina did to get that first pick? But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Indianapolis has a pretty high first pick. They may have an idea uh, who they want to get as a uh, future quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, new well, coach, okay? Both of them have new coaches. Yeah, I mean, you have okay. the, Falcons have, the Falcons have $38 million to spend in remaining in the cap. You know, but they went out and they have Desmond Ritter, which they let play at the end of the last season, and they also have Taylor Heineke, which they just signed. Uh, from, they from just Washington. Got him, right? I yep. mean, you know, if, here's the thing. I mean, the Ravens currently have Lamar under quote unquote contract for thirty two point five million. They have roughly eight million dollars of cap room, and through renegotiating contracts um, of several different players, they have um, they could create up to another twenty five, you know, plus million dollars. So. There, there isn't a team out there that can structure a contract that they can't match. The question is, do they want to? And I say the answer at, at this point I would, would have to be a resounding yes. And mm-hmm. the reasoning I put behind that, there's only there's a couple scenarios, the first of which is they position themselves to be able to match based on their salary cap moves and those sorts of things. Um, you know, But if you look at the, 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 the market, there aren't any quarterbacks left. So, you know, I mean, there's Gardner Minshew, there's, you know, I mean, there's no one left 
So, I mean, how would the Ravens even acquire a quarterback at this point, you know, that would be worthwhile of starting? Good they, point. They don't Very have, good point. They don't, well, they don't have an answer. So, so here's the thing. So, let's say – let's play out the other scenario. Let's say um, the Colts sign him to some, you know, whatever, $250 million guaranteed fully contract. You know, and the Ravens, if, if they would have offered that to him, well, shit, we'd have been done by now, right? So they, I don't, you know, I don't think that they would sit there and say, well, we'll match that. So, so if they take their two first-round draft picks, they get pick number four, which means they're going to get the third or fourth best quarterback available, which is Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Neither one of them are ready to start an NFL football game. So I don't see that as a viable option if you're a Raven to say, we'll just do that. You know, I just don't see it. There's no other option for them to have. They don't. Have, there isn't another quarterback for them to get. So, you know, I don't know what happened today at four o'clock when, you know, teams could email or knock on his door or whatever to negotiate with Lamar Jackson. But nothing was. You know, I think the next coming days will will tell um, in terms of if negotiations are happening or if a contract offer is made. But the Colts only have $25 million in cap space. I mean, could they free up more? Yeah, probably. But I don't think it's going to be enough for them to be able to dangle that kind of money. Plus, you think you think Jim Irsay is going to is going to say, you know, I need to come up with a check for $250 million and just go ahead and write it and put that in escrow, like like he has that kind of money laying around. I mean, that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, there's a lot of deterrence teams. You know, Roger, you mentioned, I mean, Lamar Jackson has missed 11 games in the last two seasons. You want to give mm-hmm. him 230 to $250 million guaranteed that you just have to stroke a check for. And, oh, by the way, you have to give up the number four pick and whatever first-round pick next year that you receive. I mean, that's a lot of capital to give up for, for Lamar Jackson. It really is. But the question you would ask yourself in Indianapolis is, with pick number four, you know, we're going to get, again, the third or fourth best quarterback – don't we think Lamar Jackson's a better option than that? I mean, I would say mm-hmm. yes. I just think that this is a giant chess game that people are playing here, and the Ravens have, you know, done their homework to say, at the end of the day, I think Lamar Jackson's going to come back to us and understand what his value is, and we'll be able to actually hammer out a deal. The other Roger? side of that is, the other side of that is, oh, go there's, ahead, there's going to be some some mending of fences, I think, between you know the management and Lamar because now we're on Twitter and we're saying things. There might even be some mending offenses, you know, um, in the in the locker room, you know, for, for people that, I mean, what's more important? Is it winning or is it the money? You know, so right. they're, they're, there's got a lot, lot of stuff to this, a lot of layers. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, and we talk about it week after week. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, a stalemate until uh, one moves or the other moves, or you finally, yeah. like you said, you uh, start getting the uh, start getting offers uh, in paper. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it might be electronically, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. real offers, and they're not a lot, not like a lot of talk. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Well, I, 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 the way I look at it, there's a there's a website that you can check. It's called overthecap.com, and it has some good information. Um, regarding the uh, cap space currently, and it's done pretty well in terms of not necessarily perpetual or real time, but it 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 gets updated on a fairly quick basis. That 
you know, if a team signs somebody, they go in and, and do whatever. But you, you can see each of the 32 teams and what they have to spend. And then if you click on the team, you can look at their individual salaries of all the players, and it breaks down, okay, well, if we cut this guy, you know, we're, we incur this much dead cap money that, we, that we're on the hook for, but we also save this much money. So, for instance, Matt Ryan was cut by the Colts yesterday, and they still owe him $18 million, but they saved 172 and that's why mm-hmm. everybody was getting their panties in a bunch saying, oh, well, they traded, they traded Gilmore and they cut Ryan. They're, they're making a move for Lamar because they're trying to free up cap space. Well, they only have $25 million. That, mm-hmm. that, that, doesn't even, that doesn't even cover the 32 that, he, that the Ravens are on the hook for if he signs the tender. They're not even there yet. Do you, do you think – I mean, what are they going to do? Say, well, we'll give you, you know, 25 this year and we'll give you 62 next year? or You know what I mean? Like, how does that even – so? I just don't see it. Well, well that's, uh, that's it's really on the bow right now are the Jets because, mm-hmm. you know, they're holding off to what's happening with Rodgers. They all went out there to beat with him and so forth and so on. And, and, you know, if he holds off until June, as they said at the top of the program, if he holds off until June before he makes a decision and they mm-hmm. don't get him, what do the Jets do? I mean, uh, well, I, 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 don't under, I don't understand how – you know, they can't solidify either they're going to get the guy or they're not going to get the guy sure. before the draft and before uh, he has an opportunity to work out at least uh, uh, one or two exhibition games before the season starts. I mean, I don't think you can wait till June to make that kind of a decision and expect to have a team that you want to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, um, you know, there's a small part of me that thinks Aaron Rodgers thinks this is funny you know, that this is a game because he's apparently a very vain individual that thinks highly of himself. And, you know, football teams are trying to position themselves, you know, one, through free agency, uh, trying to improve their team. You know, and two, um, obviously you've got the draft that's right around the corner in another six weeks, and they're trying to figure out how they can get better and what positions are of need and, and what draft needs they have and draft capital and salary cap and all these different things. You know, and I think we'd rather get that done sooner than later um, if you're a franchise because, as you mentioned, uh, Don, if for some reason he does a 180 and says, you know, I'm just going to retire, well, you know, then Mike what do you White do? was – Well, Mike White signed with uh, the Dolphins, and they're obviously, you know, not sm- they're not smitten with that guy Wilson right now anyway. So um, they, they'd be – you know, in a similar position of Lurch not having a bona fide quarterback. <laughs> so, well, yeah. but that, that June 1st date, that's because mm-hmm. it would save the Packers uh, a lot of money on the cap, okay? If, if they trade him after June 1st, uh, they, they save a lot of money. Uh, on the, on yeah, but the can field. the Jets afford to do that? That's, what I, that's my point, Rod. Well, can you wait until well, June? You heard what Daryl said, Don. He said that, uh, hey, listen, you can work around the numbers and Mm -hmm. you can postpone some of it until after June 1st, okay, Mm -hmm. the the numbers. So, you know, who knows? I mean, but I'm only going by uh, what was uh, said there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, what Daryl said. But I, I heard today, as I said earlier on the radio, about the June 1st date. And that makes mm-hmm. sense because that's why uh, if, they, if they were to, to trade him now, 
it's going to cost the Packers more than it will if they wait until they trade him after mm-hmm. June 1st. It's a very yeah. complicated system. Well, my Go assumption ahead. is based on Aaron Rodgers' contract, there's probably some versions of guaranteed money in there that the right. Packers would be on the hook for pre or post, depending on how that breaks. I would think there'd be some so, kind of – I don't know if there is such a thing as a, as a, a rule that you, you can – to make the trade and it's not completed until January or June first, as we're saying, or June fifth, or whatever June day you want to come up with. But I don't think you can wait. I don't think if you're going through April and May, and you don't have a formal agreement that somewhere down the line, maybe it's going to be for after June first. You have an agreement, but it's not going to be a signed agreement until June first. You know, you got the player. This way, you don't know you have anything. Yeah, no, it's, well, you, it's uh, you know, Doug, because yeah. you have you know that uh, that cap uh, app. Let me ask you this: uh, you know, you just mentioned, and Daryl Edbetter said the same thing. Matt Ryan is still owed thirteen million on his contract, 18. roughly 18. 18, 18. isn't it? Okay, yes. I thought he said thirteen. Okay, So if if it's eighteen, and and mm-hmm. now if he was to sign with a another club because he's got, I think, one year left on the contract, okay? Mm-hmm. So if he was to sign with another team as a backup, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking. Does that mm-hmm. whole $18 million of the contract, can you, you uh, delay that if you un- – but he would have to agree to restructuring, right? Well, the, the Colts – outright released him which means he's no longer property of the colts and they made that decision in lieu of the fact that they were going to save 17 million dollars that they could respend you know on the cap however they are on the hook for the full 18 million um which i don't know that yes that he he will he will continue getting checks from the indianapolis colts in the total sum of 18 million less taxes um I don't know if they can defer that payment to another year and split it nine and nine, or whether that's just an 18 edit number. I'm yeah, not sure how that works. Numbers. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I don't know because I mean, I, you know, I guess anything is possible, if you, you know, with the way mm-hmm. you work numbers, uh, you know, but that would have to be, and maybe Matt would want it spread out over four years. Okay because of uh, mm-hmm. a, a tax situation in, in his yeah. uh, uh, tax don't bracket. Know. You know, I mean, you know, well, who the, knows? I, mean, I don't know. The, the Orioles are going to pay Chris Davis until I think it's 2037, I think is what the number was. Oh, really? Well, because he wants it for the tax purposes, right? They, yeah, well, it's all deferred, you know, monies. I mean, hell, the – the Mets pay. Uh, the Mets, I think, are still paying Bobby Bonilla a million dollars a year. They are. You're right. They, they yeah. still have one or two more years to go. <laughs> well, yeah. but you figure if that's to, uh, to 2037, that's 15 years from now. Uh, <laughs> he may not even be playing baseball in, in 15 years from now, and, and he well. he may be out teaching school or subbing. Okay, Roger. <laughs> He he didn't play baseball the last two damn years he was on the Orioles, so I don't think he's going to start now. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, yeah, the Orioles yeah. had a dark day today. There was no spring training in Sarasota today. We had a we had a day off to play the early game tomorrow night, six o'clock mm-hmm. against Toronto. I can't yep. go tomorrow night. I've seen most of it, but I'm not going to be able to go tomorrow night. But 
it, it, they're, they're very competitive. It's a fun team to watch. Uh, they're going to have a good time this summer. Uh, you know, I don't say they're going to win the American League pennant or anything, Doug, but I think you've got a yeah. good shot to see a very competitive team with a lot of young <laughs> players, a lot sure. of enthusiasm, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy the summer. Yeah, you know, there's um, obviously some, some position battles up in the air. There's um, a number of players that that um, Coach Hyde likes to, to move around like chess pieces that can play both infield and out or the corners and, and those sorts of things. As you mentioned, there's there's some youngsters that I think are, are likely to get a look. Um, I, I'm, well, I don't think Henders is going in or out. I think he's going to be the third baseman. I don't think he's going to move around Yeah, no, much. it's – well, that's what I'm saying. I think I think there's there's probably a few backup uh, positions. Right. Uh, whether right. they're going to keep four or five outfielders, whether they're going to have, you know, they're definitely having a backup catcher. But I'm going to give you a name, and I've been following this guy, and I I didn't even know who the heck he was. His name is John Lester, and he's been playing on a regular basis for the Orioles, and he's hitting. I think he's hitting damn near 400 um in spring training and i looked him up right. and, and he was an, he was originally drafted by the detroit tigers and he was a pretty prolific home run he hit over 30 home runs i think twice in the minor leagues in like the five years he was there and i wondered like who is this guy and every time i look at the box score he's hitting the ball he's he's playing first base what they, they were looking he's a left-handed hitter which they were looking for he's driving in runs you know, I don't know. So I, said, I don't know who this guy is. Um, I think he was drafted in 2015, so he's not terribly old. But you know, they were looking for a backup left-handed hitting first baseman, and I think they found it. And um, I watched this guy. He hit a couple triples the other day. Um, you know, played very well. Keep, he's played very well. Finding, I, I would ask you, Don, since you've been to, as you mentioned, a few of the games. Have you seen Grayson Rodriguez pitch? No, I have not seen Rodriguez. Uh, wait a minute. No, I did see him pitch one one game. Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, not the last one, but two back, I think, was what he pitched okay. last that I saw. And, yeah, uh, there, were, there were reports that he was throwing, you know, mid-ish 90s, um, occasionally touching upper. I know that the last outing he pitched three really good innings and then got knocked around a little bit in that, that uh, fourth and final inning he pitched. But, right. You know, I, I think it was I, the fourth inning. I got to think he's going to – break spring training as as the Orioles and I tell you the other one I think Dean Kramer just looked good pitching for Team Israel in the WBC which I've been watching uh pretty religiously and I was really pissed off they lost to, to Mexico they just looked terrible um but that lineup the United States has in WBC is just nasty I mean from top to bottom there is not a weak spot they just don't have any pitching um so they play tonight at 10 o'clock I think well, well I, the, uh, you know, the one thing that uh, Buck Showalter was very cautious about, he he talked to the uh, management of all the uh, United States players that uh, he didn't want to see anybody get hurt because they, mm-hmm. they gave up eight players. And, uh, you know, they don't want to see anybody get hurt, you know, playing in this world mm-hmm. event. Sure. So uh, he, was, Nobody he was very, does. very – go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I said re- no, no team does. Uh, you know, yeah, that's was, what scares everybody. Right. There was a report. Um, I think someone asked Max Scherzer why he didn't participate, and there was a report, and he said if it was, you know, he didn't want to mess his preseason routine up, and he said if it was somewhere down the line, you know, in the season that he would, you know, reconsider. And I'm thinking, well, how in the world would you structure that so that you could actually play this block of games in the middle of the season? And in my opinion, would be that you would have less people 
that would want to participate because absolutely, want, absolutely. Look at the National Hockey League. The problem they have trying sure. to do that. Exactly. When they have that to go sense. to the Olympics, and they got it. Oh, right Just a couple of quick comments on Sawgrass. What uh, uh, what were some of your observations? What do you think? Uh, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, to walk away with four million dollars. Uh, well, the money is becoming unbelievable. Scotty Scheffler played Scotty Scheffler like, and um, from what I saw, that course is damn hard looking. Um, you know, you had guys that last day that that was uh, the guy that was paired with uh, Scheffler, who at one point was thirteen under. Yeah, the right at time. I played over there last year, and I want to tell you, you're right. It is tough as can be. But we yeah, got to throw it back hard. to our executive producer, Mr. Fred Carroll. Thank you very much to all our guests. We'll all get together again uh, one week from now. Roger, thank you. We'll talk to you later. Have a great week. God bless. Yep. Take care. Thank you, yes, Frank, as always. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation for the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know that you know they're there. A handshake, an eye, eye wink, anything. Uh, one of the best things is when you say to them, thank you for your service. <clears throat> These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Debbie Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Site Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Fire Department, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman and Alpha Chris from Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. <clears throat> Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artif Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogan, Longwood Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. <clears throat> Pinellas County Deputy Mike Hargrove. Deputy Blaine Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chris Myers, Polk County Sheriff's Department. Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald, Philadelphia Sheriff's Department. Tampa, Tampa University Police Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. The sun will shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless and please have safe uh, St. Patty's Day. Shemarek ma'ilama, Shemahezahilma, Sunashenevoratfet, Hakuigen ma'ilama. Oh, my God.
Yeah. 